from a point of agency. Like I can say yes, and then maybe I'm gonna say no next. And I trust myself to be able to shift from this is okay with me to this is no longer okay with me. Everyone, everyone, I need you to know that my freaking pet hawk just landed on the branch outside my window on the tree. Tony, Tony Hawk. His name is Tony. <laughs> and this is the fifth time that I have seen this hawk. I swear it's a hawk because I looked up. What does a hawk look like? And it is this. And it's this beautiful bird with this brown tawny fur and like a white belly with little brown spots. And he lands right outside my window. Yeah, but sometimes he doesn't land because last week I was here and you were in your bedroom and I like looked, I heard a thump on the window and I looked over really fast and I'm pretty sure Tony flew into the window. He's fine. Look at him. He's fine. Tony's fine. He's thriving. But I was having such a bad day and I looked outside and this hawk was outside my window, directly outside my window. And I looked at him and he looked at me. He looked straight at me. And I've tried to capture it on film, but he looks away. He's camera shy. But I looked it up on that day that I was feeling so down and so sad. And it said that hawks symbolize protection and that like you're doing the right thing. And I think something about um, stability and taking risks, whatever it was, it um, obviously I don't remember what exactly it was. <laughs> it meant a lot to you. But I love him. I love Tony. Well, he's gone now. He flew away. Yeah, but he just made an appearance for the pod and that's he, fine with me. He wanted to say hi. He wanted to say hi. I love you, Tony. I love that bird. I don't even really like birds, but I love Tony. Do you feel bad for him that he's outside? Because I feel kind of bad for him. He's a hawk. I know, but it's raining. If he wanted to find cover, he wouldn't be sitting outside my window. I want him to come inside and chill. I want him to sit on the couch and watch a show and get cozy. (laughs) You don't know how much I would love that. (laughs) I think I do know. (laughs) I think we feel the same way. He would gouge her eyes out. Oh my god. No, 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 no. Tony wouldn't. Tony would never. But more and more I'm like, I need an animal. I need an animal so bad. We're clutching each other. Yeah, because so you know knows. what I just realized? I you know what I want to do to Tony? I want to oh. mm, I want to put a little baseball cap on him and oh. give him a skateboard. Oh. And then I want to dress him up. Yeah, that's what I want. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you do I really need an need animal. An animal. I went to a petting zoo and it was totally illegal, but I pet five deer. Wait, it was illegal that you pet them? I don't want to call anybody out. I don't know the legalities of this place, but it seemed iffy. I walked in and there were just animals roaming about. Maybe that's fine. Maybe it's fine. I I don't know. But there were many, many deer. There was a potbelly pig. There were multiple chickens. There were all these peacocks. When you sent me the picture of you petting the deer, it did feel wrong to me. It was like deer are not supposed to be in a petting zoo. I think goats, like goats are in a chicken. Right. Can you pet a chicken? They'd peck you. They run away. They run away. Trust me, I tried. (laughs) They ran away. But a deer feels wrong. A deer is like supposed to be in the hills in California and like roaming, you know, not in a petting. It feels like they would have diseases. Like they would give you a disease. Yeah. Also, did you know? That in Yosemite National Park, deer are the number one killers. 
That's a fun fact. I'm glad I didn't know that when I pet yeah, deer. Tourists get really close to them and then they like kick them in I the mean, face. I get it. Why do you, you don't want people coming in and, and touching you if you're, you're not used to human Consent. beings. Consent. That's true. Did you ask? Anyway, I, I, honestly, I did. I was like, can I pet? You know the voice. Yeah. I, like, I love you. Every animal that I come in contact with, I'm... I give them, I chop out my heart and I put it on a platter and I say, here you are. It's yours now. And I say, I love you so much. But I How did. many times have you regenerated your heart? Because multiple, it, it, my heart is overflowing when I come in contact with animals. So it's, it's like, fine. it's like when you have a kid and you have another kid, it's like you just, your heart grows. So is that what your happens? heart is? That's what they say. I don't know. I don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with me and animals. Yeah. Anyway, all of that to say it was the best day of my life. I pet five deer. None of them um, hurt me in any way. One of them licked my ear. I just oh, it was amazing. I'm I don't sorry, wanna... anybody, but it was amazing. You're definitely a deer disease. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm recovering from now. Yeah. No, I don't it know. wasn't because of the deer. Okay, I love the deer. If you say so. I I call sketch. Anyway. I think it's sketch if a deer licks your ear. Okay. I, I, think, I don't think that's sanitary. Linda, it was a very special moment for me, and I would appreciate you allowing me the space to feel the love that I felt for this deer. You should get a deer and put it in your living room and then invite Tony in, and then it can be like uh, we bought a zoo. Honestly. But in your living room. You are saying everything that I want. So you think that you're saying something silly, but you're saying something that's true. Anyway, everyone, welcome to Wouldn't We Like to Know with Ariel and Linda, the podcast where we get honest, deep, and curious about life's big conversations because we don't have to do it alone. Mm-mm. This week, we have part two of our conversation with Anna Kwiatchinski. If you didn't listen to part one, please go check it out. We introduced Anna and her personal journey of manifesting her dream life in the Pacific Northwest with her dog and her kitten and dinner parties and hikes. And all of the amazingness. Dreams. In this episode, we learn about Anna's professional background as a somatic therapist and how she's been able to use body-based therapy as a tool in decision-making. We also discuss moving through codependency and get into some fun, quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Ariel, have I ever told you that when I was in college, I was like obsessed with skincare, like to the point where I started making YouTube videos about skincare. And I even my first job out of college was at this high end beauty retailer. Like I was obsessed. I knew about the YouTube channel, but I was not that cool when I was younger. I really started focusing on my skincare routine when I reached my late 20s. And I feel like I've finally fallen into a groove with the products that work for me. One of my very favorite places to order them is Dermstore. Yes, I love Dermstore. They have one of my favorite products that's super hard to find. It's the pie eye cream and I get eczema on my eyes in the winter and it's the only thing that helps. I'm really happy for you. Thanks. <laughs> one of my favorite features they have is auto replenish. Not only super handy, but you can also get 15% off tons of popular products when you sign up for it. Like my Obagi vitamin C serum and Vitabrow eyebrow conditioner, which I swear by. Guys, you can't see her eyebrows, but she's the queen of brows, so just trust her on that. Also, when you become a member, every time you make a purchase, you get Dermstore dollars, so essentially cash credits that you can use towards any purchase. 
Take 15% off your first order of $50 or more when you use our link, which you can find in our show notes or via the link in our Instagram bio. Okay, now back to the show. What is somatic therapy? Because that's a big word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a super common word. What, is, what does that mean? So somatic experiencing or somatic therapy is addressing your lived experience and your trauma through the lens of the body. We do that by tending to the nervous system because we are just soft animals moving through the world. And our society asks a lot of us from a sense of sensory input and stimulation, not to mention trauma. Somatic therapy is when we we slow down enough and it's not necessarily just talking through your lived experience. It's honoring what happened in the body or what didn't get to happen in the body in the sense of, you know, if your nervous system wants to jump into fight or flight to protect you, but it didn't get to, that can get trapped in your body. And that's where a lot of chronic pain or chronic trauma gets held in, in your flesh. You know, logic and reason and what is a lot of times used in traditional talk therapy is a foreign language to your body. That's why, you know, sometimes talking and talking and talking, it can feel fruitful in the sense of we can make sense of things, but it doesn't necessarily always offer us that release and that ability to move past something because the body doesn't understand reason or logic and it doesn't have a linear sense of time. And so when we can use the story to go into the body, the body will kind of feel like we're there again. And from there, we can tend to the nervous system and offer it an opportunity to maybe complete a reaction or a response that was interrupted at some point. It's so cool. It's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I also just want to say to our listeners, we've been stopping and taking a breath when we need to. Thank you to Anna for bringing that up and giving yourself space to do that, but also us space to do that, Mm -hmm. to just stop and take a breath. Yeah. Brain Mm -hmm. and pause is huge. Mm -hmm. You have to communicate with your body in a language it does understand, which is through your sensory system. Pausing enough to take a deep breath to even have time to assess what is happening in your body so that that information is then available to you. Being able to make decisions from a place where your brain isn't flooded, mm-hmm. you're able to think about what yeah. you want to say or what you want to do. I today felt super anxious going into mm. this interview and I felt really like I'm not equipped to do this and having mm. all of those like panicky thoughts and low self-worth thoughts about myself. And so when you offered up the suggestion of taking a pause for yourself and opening that space for us to do that, like your your leadership and deciding that that was something that you needed mm-hmm. and honoring that boundary for yourself has now given me a tool where I'm like, I, I think I need that every time we do this, mm-hmm. not just with you, of just being able to take a pause and recenter and allow my brain to experience that calm. I appreciate you saying that. And so thank you for that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it is such a huge tool and it helps us move out of this sense of like, I have to get this right right now perfectly, like immediately. It And it, it feels like a little, can I swear on this? Yeah. Swear, baby. <laughs> it feels like a little like fuck you to the sense of urgency that our culture has asked us to live in. Um, like me pausing and taking a breath 
is a little tiny act of rebellion as like, actually, no, we have time. I love that so much. And I also wanted to say that when we recorded our first episode, I was going through and editing and we were cutting out long chunks of silence and I was listening to myself and I took a really long time sometimes answering questions because we were doing like interviews of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past, I really would have judged myself for it. And I, I did end up editing out a, a portion of that just to make it more um, ear friendly. But I was also really proud of myself for taking mm. my time. And oh, I well. said to Linda that it's like, you know, a, a testament to you, Linda, for like allowing me the space and not interrupting me. And, you know, I feel comfortable taking. Yeah, I just think like having that, having you do that too, and like reflecting that back to us is so important. We're oh. worth the time and we're worth the space. We're allowed to take up that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the world is will always be sending us signals telling us that we're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you're totally right, Anna. Like it's a little fuck you. Yeah. To the world to be like, no, I deserve to be here and I deserve to take my time. And there is time. I think that there's a lot of information in situations where when you pause and you take time, and then the opportunity or the relationship or the conversation or whatever it is isn't still there waiting for you. That's so much information. Like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a bummer, but me honoring my readiness removed something that ultimately wasn't fruitful for me. I think that from a from a standpoint of scarcity, we're like, oh shit, like I missed it. And it's like, actually, if you're like, if you're standing in your power and you're honoring what you feel ready for and you're honoring the pace that feels juicy for you, the things that are in alignment are still going to be there. I think it's so important to remember that we're allowed to undo decisions. We're allowed to say, okay, that was not for me, actually. I I tried something. I dipped my toe into a pool, and that doesn't feel right for me. So I'm going to take my foot back out of that pool and maybe try a different pool. But it's also so important to if you're going to the place where you want to go and these uncomfortable steps are the things that are going to take you there to, to try to keep going. So what are, what are some of the ways that you've been able to figure out, okay, maybe that doesn't feel right for me. And so I'm going to take a step back from that versus this feels uncomfortable because I'm growing and I'm going to the place where I want to go. I mean, it's the age old question. Is it intuition or is it trauma? You know, which, <laughs> well, I don't know. who's sending this information to me? And I think, it, it, honestly, the most pivotal tool for me in that, like, in that regard or to answer that question is or was somatic therapy and learning what that felt like in my body. Like, was I uncomfortable because I was vulnerable in a good way and I was moving towards intimacy and like, ah, that's scary? Or was I uncomfortable because I was genuinely like not safe with someone and I knew that that wasn't aligned for me. You know, when you start to bring in those pauses more and look for that information in your body and then allow yourself to integrate it into knowledge of essentially a new language, it starts to become less foggy or less fuzzy. I don't want to say it's ever like super quick, but you can start to move towards like, okay, I'm uncomfortable because say like it hurts to go run three miles is a different discomfort than like, oh, it hurts when I touch the stove. 
being able to drop in to your body and slow down and ask and ask yourself like is this uncomfortable because it's not for me or is it uncomfortable because maybe on some level I think that like I don't deserve it or I shouldn't be moving towards this or I've never been seen in this way before or I've never mm-hmm. been loved this way before all those things that can feel really squirmy when we haven't experienced them before but ultimately are very good I would like to know Within your body, what does decision-making feel like for you? Again, kind of, I know it's cheeky, but like intuition or trauma, how do you know? You know, a practice that I really like to implement is, you know, when you can slow down and sit with whether a decision or, and I think part of it too is like part of where things get hairy is like not everything is like this really specific binary decision of like, do I take this job? Yes or no. Do I date this person? Yes or no. Like it's not necessarily always that clear, but sensing into what does yes feel like in my body and what does no feel like in my body and like kind of running yourself through those. Like, so if you think of like even by yourself sitting on the couch and like imagining like your most perfect day, right? Like your favorite meal, your favorite friend, your favorite place and scanning your body of like what happens in my body when I put myself here. Okay. Put a pin in that. Move over. Okay. Worst job I've ever had. Worst relationship I've ever had. Least favorite food. And I'm surrounded by spiders. You know, what does that feel like in my body? And like you start (laughs) to like- Or New York City rats. Yeah. Whatever your nemesis is, whatever makes you go like, hell no. It is very clear the shift in the sensations you get in your body. And so if you kind of put a pin in both of those scenarios, those are your reference points. And then kind of bringing yourself back to like the neutral now and then moving towards like bringing into essentially like the theater of the mind, whatever is ahead of you, whether it's a relationship or a job or an opportunity or something that's like super ambiguous of it isn't a this or that. It's a what next. And as you approach that imagery, what do you notice? Does it feel more like no? Does it feel like hesitancy? Does it feel like hesitancy, but in an expansive way? You know, is it the hesitancy of doing something thrilling, but, but kind of scary? Does it feel like yes, or does it feel like no? Does it feel like contraction of like, oh, I need to, I need to protect myself here. There's information there. Do you feel like there's like a, a loosening or a softening that might lean towards a yes? And like, this feels safe and I'm going to take a step forward. And I think also allowing yourself to slow down to the point of you can say yes to the next step and it doesn't have to mean yes to this specific end. At any point, you can course correct. At any point, you can be like, you know, I thought I was ready. I'm not. Mm. And I said yes up until the point where it feels like a no-no because I have more information. And you get more information as you go along. And so sometimes you have to say maybe some extra yeses. Even if it's ultimately going to mean no, those extra yeses give you more clarity and more information and more access to whatever it is that's ultimately going to help point you in whatever direction is next for you. My inner child, like natural state is such a perfectionist that you saying that gives me so much permission because I've been feeling so much pressure recently around like, if I say yes once, then I'm committed to that Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
or like, I don't know if I want to say yes to this because what if I change my mind later and I, then then what? Am mm-hmm. I going to be okay? And you are sewn in and you live there forever. Yeah. yeah. It comes back to that sense of agency too. Of, you know, if you're not in a, if not in an empowered state or not working out of your own sense of agency, one yes feels like a whole cascade of yeses, right? Like if I say yes, then I have no right to say no again. Mm-hmm. in this whatever context it is but from a point of agency like I can say yes and then maybe I'm going to say no next and I trust myself to be able to shift from this is okay with me to this is no longer okay with me and that ability that tool of knowing I know that I'll be there for me if this no longer feels good hmm. it it gives you a sense of I mean, a sense of autonomy where things can feel a little bit more fun and a little bit more experiential because you trust that if it becomes not that, you will remove yourself. It doesn't, you don't need to be rescued. No one else has to make that decision for you. And so, sure, try on a yes, because maybe if I need to say no, I know I'll say no. As a recovering codependent, I abandoned myself for such a long time. That abandoning created a mistrust in myself of like I left my body and I left my body and I and I didn't show up for myself. Mm. And it sounds like you also were codependent. So what were some of the ways that you strengthened that muscle of knowing I'm going to show up for myself? I have the opportunity to say no if I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Mm. What did that look like for you? I appreciate your language. I actually remember in a moment of like, I can't believe these words just left my mouth. But, you know, I told my ex-husband, I remember we were sitting on the boat in the middle of the lake. And I just said, the only thing that is making this marriage work is my willingness to abandon myself. And like, I said that and I was like, oh, fuck. Why did I say that? <laughs> you said it out loud? I said no, it I out loud. I can't take it back. I've said it. Yeah. And it was true. And I think that I did have those really deep grooves of like, okay, I'll just dissociate or like, okay, I will just hand over my power. Like, okay, you seem like you're in charge and it feels scary to come up against that. And so I'm going to let you be in charge. The tiny shifts of, you know, what got me from that to here, being able to name it and to be able to essentially look myself in the mirror. Sure, you can pivot it and say like, these are the things that's happening to you. And also, these are the things that you're allowing. That is a pretty bitter pill to swallow. But then on the other side of that, you can decide what you aren't going to allow anymore. One of the biggest tools of moving outside of codependency is learning how to disappoint people and learning to sit in the discomfort of that and not running to fix a situation. I actually just listened to a podcast with Whitney Cummings and Rich Roll, and she said people-pleasing is a form of assholery. In that, like, if I fix the situation, I'm robbing you of your due process. I'm robbing you of the dignity of your own experience. And I'm deciding for you that my inability to sit in the tension of disappointing you is more important than either my boundary or your emotional experience. Essentially, like, you build up a tolerance of people being upset with you. All of that, like, it makes me emotional. All of that resonates with me so hard. I know that I have people-pleasing tendencies, like that's part of codependency. What is people-pleasing doing 
to these other people around me. And it is a form of manipulation. Like Mm -hmm. it's a way that I learned to cope with things and it's a way that I learned how to receive love, but it's like cheap fucking love. Like that Mm -hmm. is cheap versus what we've talked about again and again in this conversation with you telling your friends, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And you asking for that is a form of trust. People pleasing means that you don't trust. Mm-hmm. It means that yeah. I don't trust this other person to treat me the way that I need to be treated, to show up in a certain way. And what a way to like discount somebody else. Within that, there's such a there's such an ego dance of like, let me play God and decide for this person that I'm going to save them of this emotional experience so that I can absolve myself of the reciprocal emotional experience of this tension. Tension gets a pretty bad rap. When you stop rescuing yourself and others from the tension that your very valid emotional realities are creating, you also rob yourself of the process of coming to a new conclusion. Because when you jump in and you rescue, you move back to where you were. You don't you don't move forward. If you jump in, you rob both of you and the relationship from the opportunity to expand. I think it's important to say too that when you're finding yourself at this like precipice of like, okay, my life is about to irrevocably change and shift into who knows what, you don't have to know what that thing is to know that some of those changes need to happen. A quote that I really hung on to for a lot of this transition was the barns burned down and now I can see the moon. And I think that that really speaks to like, sometimes like everything has to end and then you can see what's next. You don't have to know the end point or what it's going to look like to start moving towards it. It's okay if clarity like takes a minute and giving yourself the permission to like take your time and not necessarily having a super clear target that you're aiming for. You know, I think like in the, in the manifestation world, like a lot of people will like write a really specific list. And I was just talking with a friend that she said like, after she writes like what she believes she is aware of that she knows that maybe she would want, the last thing that she writes is this or something better. Because I think in a lot of ways, we don't even know what would offer us that highest sense of fulfillment and swallowing your ego enough to be like, maybe I don't know. And maybe it's going to be revealed to me and how much more exciting that that can be. And off of that, I think also you don't have to wait for all of your hell yeses to be lined up in a row, mm-hmm. to act on your hell no. Mm-hmm. Make the move on the hell no, even if you don't know what the next hell yes is. Yes, that's huge. Mm. It's not like, oh, I'm saying no to this because there's this other thing. It's like, I'm saying no to this, and right now there's nothing to say yes to. And then, yeah, I'm still going to say no to that. That's the work right there. <laughs> Can I sit in the discomfort of having no options because I know that that one wasn't a good option? All of that resonates so hard with me right now because, you know, I have closed a lot of chapters recently. There is now this hole, like this vacuum of what's next. And my every part of me wants to like vehemently like fill it, fill it, fill that hole, mm-hmm. fill it, fill it now. And it's like, can I allow myself to not feel compelled to fill that hole right now? Okay, some quick fire questions. Yeah, okay, Anna. What was your favorite activity growing up? Creating worlds, probably. Mm-hmm. 
fairies or playmobiles. I was a big playmobile. Me too. Linda, your did face. Did you have a house? Oh, I got yes, really I excited. did. The mansion. Yeah, the mansion. Oh, yeah. What is something that you're grateful for right now? I'm really grateful for spaciousness and stability. I think that they're really underrated emotions. <laughs> stability, so sexy. I'm learning. Okay, last quick fire question. What's something you're excited for? Something I'm super pumped for. And this continues to confirm that going to this writing retreat was an incredibly fruitful decision. Another friend that I met there is coming out and spending the holidays with me. Um, How wonderful. Yay. We're just going to have a really, really great time. So I, and I actually, after that, I've got a couple other friends coming to visit and it's hosting and sharing this little life brings me so much joy we'll add us right onto the bottom of that list we'll come right over see you soon (laughs) please do booking my flight right now well anna thank you so much for coming on the podcast and um sharing your story and being so vulnerable with us and allowing us to learn from from you and the lessons that you've learned where can people find you would you like them to find you anywhere yeah my personal Instagram is Seasons of Myself and my professional web presence is seasonsofourselves.com. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. This was an incredible honor, really. Mm, Feels so good. It felt like an honor to us that you wanted to talk to us. We loved having Anna on the podcast. That was such a good combo. I feel like my heart grew 10 sizes. Yeah, and my nervous system feels calmer. My nervous system does feel calmer. Just allowing ourselves to breathe, I think, is such an important thing. And Mm -hmm. everything that she has to share, I just think it gives me permission to love myself better. Also, it's such a great tool, breathing, because it's free and it's always with you. There's so many self-help, like mental health tools out there, and I think they're all so helpful. Well, some of them are so helpful, others, maybe not so much. But this is free and always accessible. And so I think it's just, that was very, very helpful for me personally. Sorry if anyone can hear my radiator. I live in New York, but it's fine. (laughs) At least it's not whistling yet. (laughs) It's not whistling yet. But with that, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. It really, really helps us. Also, if you leave a review, we would love you. We will love you for forever. Five ever. And make it five stars. And we'll share our favorite reviews at the end of each episode. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Also, follow us on Instagram at wouldn't we like to know. And also you can email us with any of your questions or even if you just want to say hi, our email address is wouldn't we like to know at gmail.com. Please enjoy the rest of your day, your week, or don't enjoy it. Like stew, that's fine too. Yeah. You don't have to enjoy. You can just experience your day. Just feel your feelings. Yeah. I did today. Me too. Yeah. All right. Love you all. Love you. Love you, Linda. Love you, Ariel. Bye. Bye.